Hey there and welcome. This is Stop Shooting Yourself, a podcast all about life's expectations, how they rule our lives, and keep us from the true happiness we crave. I'm your host, Jill Anderson, an expectations exterminator, speaker, and coach who loves talking should. Now let's get to the episode and start busting through the BS that's keeping you from living the life you deserve. Welcome back to another episode of Stop Shooting Yourself. I'm Jill Anderson, here with my sidekick, Hank. Can you say woof? Hanky. Hanky. Can you say woof? Say woof. Good boy. Podcasting isn't hard, I've learned, but writing your story is. The process of discerning what to share and how to share it is really tricky. It's full of moments and chock full of shoulds. Since the last episode came out, It's been really difficult for me to sit down and write this damn thing, which if you listen to my intro, I say a weekly podcast all about blah, blah, blah. And it's been a month since I have put an episode out. So I'm just bringing my full transparency here and just being real. It's hard. It's hard. And again, the reason I'm telling my story is because if I hope other people will share theirs, it's important for me to understand how that feels. And I also feel like it's a really important part of us getting to know each other. And going through the process may be difficult, but man, is it worth it. Some of the problem is also my natural affinity for overthinking everything. Some of it is fear, but some of it is this messy middle syndrome. If any of you listen to Brene Brown's podcast called Unlocking Us, she released her second season, first episode just last week. Of course, I highly recommend it. I love her podcast so much. And I'm actually going to quote an excerpt that really shines a light on the struggle of why it's taken me a while to create this part two and to just put it into perspective a little bit. I quote, no matter what the middle is, experience does not give us easy passage through struggle. Experience only grants us a little grace that whispers, this is just part of the process. Stay the course, stay the course. We're in day two, friends, and again, experience doesn't even give us a little spark of light in this mess right now. It only gives us a little bit of faith that we can navigate it together. Most of the time, when we're in complete darkness, we wave our arms around to reach out and grab someone who can walk with us to get our bearings, to give us perspective, to hold on to. I think it's that time. The middle is messy but it's also where the magic happens, end quote. So let's go make some magic. We left off last episode with me in the passenger seat of the dump truck I just realized was my intuition, my guide, my authentic self, whatever you want to call her. 
We destroyed the mirror I'd been looking into for years. The mirror that helped me craft a life that looked so good on the outside. It looked happy, it looked like everyone else's, and it fit the template of what I was supposed to do. Though the reflection of perfection was a mirage, I mean, it was therapeutic as hell to smash the glass and watch it shatter. Riding shotgun in the dump truck, after shattering the mirror, the next job was to fill up the back with what no longer served me. Served me, okay, it sounds a little cavalier, but when I say no longer served me, I mean not my cocktail, not my appetizer. I mean the things, the habits, the relationships, maybe even the people that do not or did not support my growth, my well-being, my truest self. Mind you, this was not an overnight process, no siree, Bob. And honestly, it wasn't even a process I was aware of in the context of which I'm speaking about it now. All I was doing at the time was making one decision at a time that settled my soul and my circumstances in the present. It's much smoother and easier to look back on it eight years later with the benefit of hindsight perspective and some maturity, right? Like these are not things that make sense to us in the moment. Hindsight's 2020. Haha. <laughs> There's a reason why that phrase exists. The first thing to go into the back of the dump truck was my marriage. And I remember the moment that I knew it. I was standing in our bedroom in front of my closet and I just felt this contradictive sense of calm. It was the calm of knowing that this is where I should be in this life with this person, building this marriage, this family. But then I also got this new feeling of calm and it was just, it was almost visceral. And I just remember hearing in my mind that the God I believe in would not want me to just stick this out for the sake of sticking it out. The God that I know and believe in would not want me to spend this one human experience unhappy just to follow the rules and not rock the boat, which is crazy because I hate rocking the boat. I've never wanted to rock the boat. But I held fast to the one and only dream that I at this point had had for my life. And that was to get to the end of it, whether it be at age 45 or 95, with the solace of knowing that I had lived my best. That I had not lived on autopilot, aimless, without the zest for this human experience. Now, to make this all a little bit more interesting, uh, the struggle of Catholicism was real. <laughs> I mean, I had just taken vows 18 months ago, and I was what, like changing my mind? That's the fight that started to happen in my head. But that moment in front of my closet was just very simply a pure connection between me and God. It was an experience of pure truth, of 
really recognizing and admitting what had been and what would be if I stayed. So after this shift, there was just nowhere to go but forward. And it was scary as hell. That moment in front of my closet was burned into my mind and my soul. It was that feeling of knowing that I had a responsibility to myself and to the God who put me on this planet to live wholly, W-H, wholly, (laughs) with gratitude and in alignment with that God voice. That's the only way that I could describe it at that time. I learned or I came to learn that it was my intuition. and, And if you've read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, you'll remember the term she uses of knowing with a capital K. If you haven't read Untamed, hit the pause button, go to your local bookstore or whatever bookstore and buy a copy so that you can highlight the shit out of it. Because trust me, you will. On page 58, she describes this knowing with a capital K. I quote, there in the deep, I could sense something circulating inside me. It was a knowing. I can know things down at this level that I can't on the chaotic surface. Down here, when I pose a question about my life in words or abstract images, I sense a nudge. The nudge guides me toward the next precise thing. And then, when I silently acknowledge the nudge, it fills me. The knowing feels like warm liquid gold filling my veins and solidifying just enough to make me feel steady, certain, end quote. My friends, knowing is one thing, but taking action is another. And this is where a lot of us, myself included, get stuck. Doing is the hardest part because In the doing is the changing. And in the changing is the vulnerability of putting your stuff out into the world with your flaws on your forehead. I felt like I was walking around with the scarlet letter, except it was the scarlet D instead of the A. Like, big old divorce sticker right on the front of me all times. Others can see this. They hear about it. They can comment on it. They can judge you for it. You kind of get the idea because we don't live in vacuums. And divorce, even without children, will rough you up in ways that you are never able to prepare for. A divorce is not your typical $1.99 bargain basket breakup. It brings out the opinions of people. And not only that, after the divorce... The subsequent relationships that you engage in bring out all sorts of opinions, a lot of them unsolicited. (laughs) The timing of a relationship is always the topic of judgment, as is the quality of his or her new flame. He's a total rebound or, well, that's an interesting choice. I mean, there's always the delicate decision of when to introduce this person to the people in your life. I had some very opinionated and judgmental people around me, and 
my divorce was how they sounded their alarms. I mean, these were people that I had spent years being friends with and spending time with and vacationing with. And it was really hard. There was one friendship in particular that was just as difficult to mourn as my failed marriage. Did I rise up in those moments and be like, hey, your behavior and viewpoints no longer serve me? You may leave. No, of course not. Like, like I said before, this was happening moment to moment. I didn't get that this is what was actually happening until I had some time to reflect. But it was just the parting of ways that was natural for the circumstance. I learned in my grieving process that people exit your life when the time is right. We don't talk about losing friendships as much as we do relationships. So the divorce end of a relationship felt somewhat natural, if that makes any sense. But this friendship loss just gutted me. It took me by surprise and it still hurts. But I trusted the evolution of my life and I just clung really hard to what I knew deep inside was right for me. No question, my divorce and its fallout were like the most yucky, icky, confrontational, uncomfortable, anxiety-inducing experience of my life. It just really sucked donkey butt. And I do it all over again because I've learned so much. And honestly, I mean, the stuff that comes after it is the shit Hallmark movies are made of, so... Do you really think I'd leave you with another cliffhanger? I'm not that mean of a person, but I just like messing with you. <laughs> Hallmark movies, I almost can't even watch them anymore because they're just a little bit too saccharine for me. The couple finally stops being stubborn and admits they're in love, or the stars align and divine timing puts them in the same place at the right time, just in time. It always happens. And like every great story, the challenges and tribulations along the way make the happily ever after so much sweeter, right? That's how it goes. Post-divorce, I was confused. I was nervy all the time. I was sensitive to judgment, full of fear. And I didn't have my list of shoulds to guide me anymore. I had this newfound clarity, but this clarity and I were still getting acquainted and we weren't 100% trusting each other. Every decision I came upon felt had me feeling like I was idling at a stop sign. Not sure if I should turn left onto default drive or turn right onto Intuition Avenue. That is, until a silver fox ran out in front of my car and caught my attention. After seeing this amazing specimen, I didn't care whether I turned right or I turned left as long as we were going in the same direction. Now, this silver fox is almost 17 years my senior, which was a topic of conversation between us and others for a while. At the end of the day, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and leave him here, or he could die and leave me here with a lot of life left to live. Either way, we decided that it matters more to us to live and love our best and take it one day at a time.
So we did. He is a youthful, active, curious dude, and I am an old lady at heart. He loves coaxing, well, he would call it dragging me, out of my lazy boy to tent camp, hike, fish, and explore. And if you know me at all, you know that those are very extreme things for me. Exploring sometimes is even venturing out into the unmowed chunk of our backyard and picking berries or pulling weeds or whatever. I, on the other hand, love creating creature comforts in those experiences by way of constructing the Jilton out of a 10-person tent in the wilderness when he'd be just fine with a sleeping bag on the dirt. He's the gas pedal to my brakes, the chill this Jill so desperately needs, and the truest home to my soul that I've ever encountered. We had to fight for this because at first it didn't line up. He wasn't who I should be with from my standpoint or from other people's. But what we have was just so pure that I I couldn't run away from it. I couldn't get away from it even if I tried. And a couple of times I tried. When I wanted to ditch corporate life and explore life as a freelance entrepreneur, we made a plan and we stuck to it. He held fast to our plan when I was feeling uncertain and frustrated with, let's say, my financial contribution to our household. We've worked through that. He has coached me through the adventure of learning about myself, which, you guys, is not fun. That was not fun for him at all. I don't know how to swim. And this guy's like, let's buy kayaks. You can do it. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I freak out. I cry. I lose my shit. And he's like, honey, okay. I'll stay closer to you next time. And I'm like, we're on a river. I can't swim. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, it's okay. Relax. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And then he's like, let's tent camp for like a week and a half when there's no water or power. Yay. And I'm like, are you serious? But I love him. So I do it. And I'll be damned if I don't actually enjoy it just a little bit. Funnily enough, it was on the last day of one of those ridiculously long tent camping trips that I asked him to marry me. We were out on the lake in Canada on the boat, Hank, him, and me, feeling the cold breeze and just admiring the beautiful blue sapphire skies that day. We were wishing we didn't have to leave. It was like the one beautiful day we had gotten all week long, and we were sad to leave. And I just was sitting there thinking to myself, I wonder if he'll pro... Nah, he won't ask me to marry him. But, I mean, why can't I ask him? I can, I can ask him. Women do everything else. Like, why not this? So I did. And he said yes. Mind you, after the shock wore off and he kind of came around to the whole if not now when kind of idea. We got married six months later in our yard in February, just before COVID hit, and it was the best day ever. But the coolest part, you guys, is that every day is the best day, even when it's not the best day, because we are the couple I've always wanted to be half of. A couple who laughs a lot, a couple who thrives on respecting alone time, a couple who really can talk about everything. A couple who seesaws through moments of being strong and vulnerable. 
couple who leaves each other love notes in suitcases, on pillows, on keyboards, and in every greeting card, even though Hallmark does the work for you. Sometimes it's hard to be in the same room together because, you know, adulting and life, but he is my soul's home and the place I will always belong. From a bumbling gal who didn't know what she wanted, I've morphed into a woman with a vision, a woman with a fire under my fanny and the gumption to just get out into the world and do whatever the fuck fuels me. This podcast is one of those things. And I am that gal because not only of the strength I found inside me, but because of the guy who's beside me. The guy who makes me a better gal just by looking at me and smiling. I chose we because I chose me. And I hope that this can help you choose you too. You guys, I am so excited. The next episode is an interview with my first coach. Her name is Erica Carico. She is a badass. She is an inspiring, incredible human being. And we had a wonderful conversation about shooting that just makes me smile. Y'all know what's coming. In the meantime, stop shooting yourself.